You're listening to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, where women who are ready to expand their life adventure discover the tools to stop playing small and tap into the courage required to enjoy their second wind. Good morning. Welcome. I am so glad that you all are here today. It's been a really kind of a rough ride or an unusual ride, let me say. I, for the first time, got out of my environment in Tyler, Texas last week to go to my favorite place in in the world, and that is Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was so interesting, the transitions that I went through on that journey. I chose to drive instead of fly because... You know, I have more freedom that way, but it's a long drive, uh, 13 hours. So anyway, once I got there, I was surprised at the silence in the city as we're all experiencing the new silences that are in our our new environments and it took me back. I, I somehow I wanted to return to the normal, the bustle and the music and the the just the entire environment of Santa Fe, which is such a spiritual place for me. And so it was it was a learning and sort of a re-entering that we all are going through and finding a new normal. Will we return to the old normal? I don't know. Does anybody know? But anyway, it was a learning experience that I took to heart. The body and the friendships were still there in full spirit. And so perhaps that is the best of the old normal that we have to live with today. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you because there's a lot more I could share. Uh, You only eat outside on in the open, you do not eat in any restaurants in Santa Fe. And of course, all of the music has gone silence for the year, for the rest of the year. So, hurts my heart, but that is where we are. So, let's get to the show today because I think you're going to be so interested in my guest today. She is a fascinating woman and I've loved reading about her and getting to know her. Her name is Laura Eisenberg Hindlish, and she's from San Diego, California, and I'm so excited about her path, how she has moved through life. Lauren has founded and is the owner of a Body Mind Wellness, and she is a counseling practitioner. She is a counseling practice offering somatic-based coaching and mind-body psychotherapy, a strong advocate for women and females and fully devoted to anything spiritual. Lauren is passionate about restoring the mind-body-spirit-sex connection. She believes that when women explore the emotional and psychological, spiritual, and sexual aspects of their lives, access, accessing their authentic voice helps restore sisterhood around them. I love that, Laura. I love that so much. We're needing that so much in our environments these days. Now, Laura also trained 
teachers and mental health professionals in trauma resolution and stress management. It's taught wellness programs for San Diego County Office of Education and wellness centers such as the Chopra Center in Carlsbad, California. So welcome, Laura. I, I, I don't know where to start. I'm so excited about what part of this story we're going to enjoy today. So tell me, how is it there in your your state of California? You've gone through a lot of trauma lately. Yeah, well, I actually am not from San Diego. I'm from New York, and I spent 15 years in San Diego, and then I moved to Los Angeles when I met my husband. So um, ah. I've been in Los Angeles the past year, but I was in 15, 15 years in San Diego, and um, before <laughs> that, 26 years in New York. So I'm definitely... Wow. Uh, have experienced both coasts. I feel like my, I'm, sort of, I'm balanced in terms of my, my personality because of the, the cultural influences of living in both coasts. And, yeah. um, yeah, the fires are the more in Northern California. Um, we haven't been affected the air quality, although there, there were some fires here actually a little bit further East that affected the air quality out there. So we didn't travel East, but you know, the pandemic, <laughs> I would say we're, we're just most impacted by that. And then also, mm. you know, just what's going on in the world in terms of the racism and the whole divide in that area. So, yeah, it's it's quite an unsettling time and it affects us all in so many ways. Just as unexpected as my trip was to Santa Fe. I mean, I keep waking up going, oh, oh, oh. And it's just kind of interesting that we're all on this new path. It's all new for all of us. And so do you find that in your life as well? Absolutely. And doing, you know, in session when I'm either offering a coaching or psychotherapy, what mm -hmm. I find is it's an interesting situation to be, to be going through what like we're all going through the same thing. So if a yeah. client comes and they're struggling with the pandemic, it's interesting uh -huh. to also be, experiencing what they're experiencing, maybe in a different way, depending on what their life situation is. But right. th there's a sense of empathy, right, uh -huh. that I can really uh -huh. tap into because I'm experiencing what they're experiencing, but again, probably in a different way, depending on what our situation is. So that, in a sense, that is like unifying in a sense, uh -huh. that there's an understanding of the struggle. Um, and it's, it's a new norm. And I've been trying to use the time for like a deeper reflection and, and what wants to emerge within me to share with the world. So I've been using yeah. it wisely, but it's, it's been challenging to, um, first have given birth and then the pandemic right, right after. So I've been home since January. Oh, your baby is new. Oh yeah. I had a baby at 43. Um, uh, ah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, in January, um, <sighs> new baby. So she's uh, seven and a half months. Oh, that's so precious. Yeah. So yeah. precious. Okay, what day in January? January 26th. I'm 31st. <laughs> oh, so. wow. Is she in Aquarius? Oh. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Hang on, lady. <laughs> <laughs> You'll read. love it. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, she's strong-willed. Like, she knows what she wants, and she goes for it. Oh, the neatest thing is that you, with your background and your knowledge, you will allow her to keep that. Exactly. That is awesome. Exactly. Exactly. You know? I love that you just shared that because that's, you know, there's um, 
was something that I am cognizant of because of my background is the, the, the stepping back and like what you said, allowing versus, you know, that codependency of trying to fix or change, or maybe she should have tried it like that. Or I should, even though she's a baby, I can watch those subtle tendencies. Mm -hmm. And then I keep bringing it back to come back to myself, come back to my body, come back to my own journey as a, the soul came through me. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's pretty what... awesome. Oh, I'm just so excited for you because, you know, the, having a child and having the knowledge that you have is just, I mean, did, you're just going to explode with excitement. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could, didn't have that with my children because I didn't have your background at mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that's awesome. What a wonderful future you have going for her, you. But. You know, I always like to have people that come on to share their uh, transition. What set them on the road? What called you to be a therapist? Because that's, of course, where you started, right? Or not. You started by yeah. life experiences, but... Yeah, I mean, there were definitely two defining moments. But, I, but if you, I'll answer that first question in terms of the okay. therapy piece. The uh, therapy piece was very, very young. I, I went really? to graduate school at 21, so I didn't leave myself time to really explore. It was, it was, I had studied in Spain my junior year of college and I was a business major and more from a superficial perspective, I wanted to make money and I thought majoring in business was the answer. And then when I studied in Spain, I found, um, exploring different cultures and listening to people's experiences and the factors that contributed to who they were mm -hmm. fascinated me. I just wanted mm -hmm. to listen and listen and listen and listen and hold space for whatever they needed me to hold space for. So yes. when I came back my senior year of college, I ended up majoring in psychology, which I always had a interest in my own behavior and human behavior and, and connecting. Um, and then I minored in, minored in Spanish and, and um, business and immediately went to grad school. And that I think was based off wanting to be independent. My mom worked a lot and felt she was more dependent on my dad and I wanted to be independent. So I went to grad school right away for psychological counseling. Um, wow. later on I had the big moments that was more of, um, like a habitual thing like, Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Now I should go to grad school so I can be independent. Oh, yeah. But there wasn't, right. I guess the in experience in Spain was, realizing what I want to do. Um, what was the attraction to go to Spain to study? Uh, well, I always loved languages and uh -huh. I was studying Spanish. And I also grew up in a neighborhood in New York that was a combination of, it was Puerto Rican, Dominican and Haitian and Irish. And I wow. was always drawn to, you know, like music and dance and that passionate <laughs> kind of energy. Yeah. And yeah. I was a dancer too. Um, that was, was something I loved. So I always loved the language and the cultural values of Latinx culture. And so oh, yeah. um, I went to Spain and I studied a little flamenco and I studied <laughs> women's history. And I was yeah. only 19. So it was like women's history, flamenco, um, and like other colloquial language, other things. And had a blast and ended up going back again um, yeah. a few years later. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's something um, awesome about 
Spain and just uh, I I have been able to go there. And so anyway, it's always just it was just a party being there. Just a yeah. party. <laughs> such a fun a country and everybody so celebrates. I mean, I, it's just absolutely fabulous. Well, that right there is a shows me you're a very strong woman that would go to Spain out of just strictly passion to mm-hmm. um, experience dance. And you do still dance, do you not? Yeah, I, I, I feel like dance, you know, I, I, I definitely had faced some challenges and, and traumas and intergenerational trauma. And dance has saved me over and over and over again. And it's allowed me to be in my body when it wasn't comfortable to be in my body, whether it was like a traumatic or stressful experience or whatever I was going through, it allowed me to really enjoy being in my body. And I think as a woman, that's, that's really important. So it it allowed me to come back in in a pleasurable way. And I always studied dances from different countries so I can really (laughs) feel like what it feels like Mm -hmm. to feel the sacred feminine in that dance, in that culture. Mm -hmm. So I, I have like a few dances that I'm pretty committed to. Um, right now, even, even virtually, I take virtual classes. <laughs> you can dance around the room, can't you? Yeah. It's some exercise. And I, I dance and it's more a spiritual experience for me and, and an embodiment of the, the, the sacred feminine too. Yeah. Now you do this for basically for your own pleasure. Do you perform as well or not? Uh, I did a few years ago. Um, uh-huh. It was more like women's empowerment. It was like burlesque ish, um, <laughs> and that was that was more uh, for my own unleashing of the, the my feminine and sensual expression. It was not for. It was part of my growth as a woman. Yes, and, um, I did that, and I think I performed hip hop. You know, just these energies, these stronger yeah. energies yeah. and softer energies of of my feminine expression. I performed maybe five or six times. And then I think I saw a client once in the audience and almost passed out. So <laughs> yeah, I cannot doing that again. Um, oh, yeah. that's funny. But, yeah. yeah, it was actually funny because we had ended, but it was, it was, you know, I went to the bathroom and I saw her and we had ended, closed, you know, terminated services maybe a, a year prior, but it was still like, I was like, I can't believe that just happened. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love that. It's so important that, and I think women, um, particularly I see this in my environment as I experienced it as, as well. I particularly love music. I love singing and being part of a choral arrangement. I do not have the, the solo power in me, but I love the singing part. And I think, and it, it went quiet while I was raising my children and being the wife, which I am now a divorced woman. Yeah. But it was, it was so important to regain those things that speak to our souls, that mm. keep us that mm-hmm. passion to go, I love this. Mm-hmm. Because it gets, it kind of gets quiet inside us mm-hmm. as we feel fill these other roles and so is this one of the things that you're always trying to help women as they go through their development go through their recovery or how do you how do you address your work with women one-on-one and in groups as therapy or as growth or 
how do you phrase this for women that are transitioning? Uh, I just want to clarify, phrase the, how do I explain to women what I do? Is that the question? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's a good question. I basically, I mean, usually women come to me or girls or just women, uh, female identified bodies, I guess I, yes. I, I would say, I guess now that would be a better way to describe uh, female identified bodies is that I, when there's a trauma or a stressor or something that that tells us that we need to have support to work through right. a challenging experience, there's usually a body mind spirit split. Like some, there's some kind of separation that happens, uh-huh. and I think that there's you know cultural and social and familial influences, and then the you know intergenerational traumas that happen. And I basically help to bring back or integrate the body, mind, spirit split. So how to heal whatever wounding there is, again, from family or from culture or from society of not enoughness, right? To help look at that, heal that so they can feel more connected to their spiritual life, their emotions, their, um, you know, psychological well-being and, um, and also their body. I feel like for more female identified bodies, there's all of this objectification and all of this sexualization, even if they grew up in the most supportive household, yeah. that impact on on being objectified is so painful for the, for the soul. Yes. So yeah. there, there's also this opportunity to really inhabit the body in a pleasurable way and defy, you know, I, the ageism, the, it, it's so difficult for me, you know, as women, they're young and they're, they're treated as if they don't know anything. And then as they age, they're treated again, as if they're, they're valued, they're devalued, devalued. And I really believe that when women age, there's so much wisdom. I mean, before 40, I, I was really ready to um, mm-hmm. partner and I was still exploring myself as a woman and I wasn't ready yeah. to be a mom. I just wasn't, that, that I wasn't um, my time. And I have women that come to me in their late thirties, early forties. And they're like, it's over for me. And I, I'm, I'm like, what no. do you say? and say they want a child. I'm like, I got pregnant so easily at 42. And I wasn't even trying. And I'm not saying that that's the case for everyone, but I do believe that the messages that we tell ourselves are what limits our ability in any area of our life. Right. And and that's that's what I want to share with women, especially in their you know midlife time, is the importance of not listening to any of the ageism or any of this objectification or sexualization, but to really come back home in their body, into their soul, into their heart, into their mind and see the beauty that just the beauty that they are. Yeah. I mean, you said you use, you use three words that we hear a lot and I hear it in my work because I'm coaching as well. I, and it's like, I am not enough. I just mm-hmm. don't not enough. Mm-hmm. And it takes us so long to get into discovering that is the question we're asking ourselves. It's what we stand up in front of somebody and we go, I don't like this, but we don't know why. We just say, Oh, I don't like this. I don't I want to go hide. Mm-hmm. And so I have, the words I am enough 
seems to um, cover so many of our needs. So mm-hmm. how do you take a client that comes in and says, life's just not working for me, and take her to that question? Is that always the question? I've got several questions going on here. I'm sorry, Laura. That's okay. <laughs> but I know you can cipher it out. Yeah. But I just... You know, I work with the older lady, the woman that's on the other side mm-hmm. of like 50. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think it's so prevalent in all ages. All. I've got 50 year olds that are still going, I'm not enough. Yeah. So how do you work with that client so early and help her through that, that discovery? Yeah. 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 So I do. And I'm thinking about my client, my age range, and it's from like 20, no, actually 19 into 50. Um, mm-hmm. mo- most are probably in their thirties or forties, but I do have a few at 20 in their twenties. Um, and, uh, they basically, w- w- sorry, I just got distracted cause I'm turning my phone off. Um, they, the, the, the they come to me mm-hmm. with some kind of challenge, you know, maybe it's work or family or relationship or, uh, actually maybe even, uh, you know, a sexual assault or something. And mm-hmm. what we usually find is, like I said, there's those three layers that I always look at the cultural societal piece mm-hmm. and the familial piece, what happened in the family. And then the ancestral piece or what I think of as the mother wound that, that, because there's been so much, you know, the patriarchy there, the, what's been passed down from mother to daughter is I'm not enough. And uh-huh. the sense of the way that I look is uh-huh. what's most important to me. And my value is based on the way that I look and not the value of my heart, my mind, my soul. And that learning is passed down and especially a lot around body image and, you know, food and diet, there's, there's this not always the healthiest relationship. So I'm looking at like, what are they learning from their, their maternal lineage or their mom and that mother wound that's passed down. And then what about, what are they learning in society? So usually there's those three elements that we would explore in this not enoughness. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, developmental trauma also plays in of how, how did you attach to your parents? Were they available? Were, was there substance abuse? Um, were they Mm -hmm. able to attune to you and hear and feel and see you for who you are? Were emotions allowed? Things like that. That's more from the psychotherapeutic standpoint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because (laughs) I am enough is something we can hide for most of our lives outside of acting it out in our life, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So when we finally call that thing out, it's, it's uh, kind of shocking Mm -hmm. because we go, what do you mean? I'm not enough. Although I believe I'm not enough, but you know, it's, it's really interesting for me. Yes. Yes, I agree. And I, you know, that was one of mine also. And I can hear the voice creeping up at times in different scenarios. And the beauty now is, is the self-compassion that when I hear mm-hmm. that voice coming up, I'm, I'm pretty aware too. I had a, a, a father who was abusive. And so I'm aware of that there was that layer that also 
that voice that sometimes pops up. And then I come back and I use touch, you know, on my mm-hmm. hand, my hand on my heart and say, oh, precious one, precious one, you are doing the best that you can right now. And I am right here with you, breathing with you until you realize how perfect you are. I'm going to stay right with you. And something, and, the, and that to me is just, okay, self-love is dynamic. I just need to keep coming back to myself. And that's that's another point, actually, of people wanting something to completely go away. And I don't know if those voices ever completely go away, <laughs> but we yeah. meet them with love and tenderness. Oh, I love that. That's a wonderful suggestion mm-hmm. for people to incorporate right now mm-hmm. that are having that struggle inside themselves so if you're listening out there this is just a great thing that laura has offered us today a beginning step to healing so i really appreciate that we've that you shared that laura Mm, um you you know you we start now it's interesting that you work with so many there's such a wide variety of ages in there and i I look at them and I go, oh, my gosh, in my 20s, did I really worry about the same thing in my 50s? And so I um, find your work very interesting. When do you get somebody into, how do you progress them through to the physical, helping them understand the beauty of their body, even though it may be chubby, maybe thin, maybe whatever they don't want, but yeah. the beauty of that body? Yeah. So what I do with that, well, first of all, I try even from our first session to ask them to notice their body in relationship to space, feet on the floor, back supported by the pillow, um, and just to notice something pleasurable. So it could be, um, you know, what does it feel like to have your hand on your heart or have your hand on your leg or have your hands holding your hand? How does it feel to have your hands holding hands? Does that provide some comfort? So I look Mm -hmm. for any pleasure that they can experience in their, in their body. That's the beginning Mm -hmm. gateway. Mm -hmm. And then we look at just the language of the body. What does it need right now? Does it need to lie down? Does it need a hug? Does it need to set a boundary with the hands? Let's just look at the wisdom the organic wisdom of the body and follow what it mm-hmm. needs. So really feeling it from the inside out. Right. Yeah. So there, <laughs> there's so much when I look at you or the way that you support and help a woman through her transition, because you deal with so many different parts and different phases of her, of her, I call it transition. You may use another word, healing, uh, uh, you may use another word. What would you use? Not mm-hmm. is it a transition or is it healing? Um, I, I I could see both journey and transformation. <laughs> and sometimes I say uh, reclaiming or reawakening. Oh, yes, I would say yeah. that's the word that I use: reclaiming or reawakening. Yeah, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm used mm-hmm. to. So anyway, one of the things we're going to come back with Laura and talk about is that voice, finding that voice again. It gets lost, and I know it can be found because I have found mine. And so we will be coming back to talk more with Laura, and there's lots more to talk about. I hope you're loving this as much as I am. Laura's fabulous. So anyway, we'll be Thank back you. shortly. Thank you. 
Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Why does music give us chills? Goosebumps, or the medical term heripilation, occurs while listening to music. That's because music stimulates a reward pathway in the brain, encouraging dopamine to flood the striatum, a part of the forebrain activated by addiction, reward, and motivation. Melomaniacs or passionate music lovers can get the chills from songs they are familiar with as they anticipate that long-awaited chord at the climax of the piece. Music, it seems, affects our brains the same way that chocolate gamma and potato chips do. I think I may need to stick to chocolate and potato chips because I tried piano lessons and I felt like a gooster noodle. What's a word for a person who dislikes practicing the piano? A mesodactocletist. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are having a fabulous, fabulous discussion today with Laura Eisenberg Hindlish. And she is now living in California. <laughs> we we had some clarification there. I was all over the place. But anyway, Laura and I have really had a great conversation about so many things today. But, you know, getting to where we make the decision that this is a important part of ourselves that has caused us to take a different path. It's that it's what I call the defining moment. And every one of us have defining moments because we shift our direction from one way to another, from one direction to another. It may be so subtle or it may be absolutely life changing, but we all have them. So, Laura, if you know, you referred to we we did very lightly, we explored one of the ways, but you had two experiences that sort of focused you and changed your life. So would you share the other one with us? Yeah, sure. And just to recap, the first one was in my, my mid thirties when I just felt disempowered and I noticed that I was attracting men that were similar to my dad and they Mm -hmm. weren't, they weren't the ones that would really support my growth and healing. Um, that I knew that could happen if I found the right person. So felt really disempowered and felt frustrated at the pattern of the men that I was attracting. And, um, yeah, I had a dream that my maternal grandmother 
said, you need to just break, break free and follow this journey as a woman. And the next day I signed up for a program and for the next year, for eight, for eight years studied uh, women in finances and women in spirituality, women in sexuality, women embodiment. And, uh, you know, it, then it became a, a passion and a, a specialty of mine. So that was that was one, which was just the the pain and the constant stress of being in relationships that were not life affirming. Mm-hmm. And the second moment was a health crisis. Actually, um, I was uh, 41 and casually dating someone that wasn't quote unquote my type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got a call from a doctor, and it was a frightening call. It ended up being okay, but the doctor, you know, they tend to scare you sometimes, um, yes. and they scared the heck out of me. But what happened was in that process was that I ended up calling the the man that I was dating to tell him and something clicked inside of me. His, I felt, I actually was able to receive, and I think this is also a challenge for women sometimes of receiving and knowing their worth, but I received, I mean, he was so kind and he treated me like a queen and I couldn't take that in because I was used to more of the, you know, exciting, charming, mm-hmm. more, more narcissistic kind of yes. man. And he was the polar opposite of that. But when I had that diagnosis, I called him and I remember hearing his voice and I remember my heart blasted open. And I was receiving his words and the way that he cherished and honored me as a woman. And that just changed everything. And he soon later, he later became my husband and we had a baby, we have a baby now. And so, you know, when women say it's it's not my type or, uh, you know, my age or whatever, whatever comes up that feels like an obstacle or barrier, I want to be the inspiration of them and just tell them that it just, it's just about the art of receiving and letting their heart open to, um, love and kindness. Mm. Mm. You said a lot there. I can identify with a lot of what you said. Um, having gone through the divorce process, mm-hmm. I unfortunately married that person <laughs> mm-hmm. and had some good good years and some not so. But, you know, eventually you have to make that decision, Absolutely. stay or go, and you have to take care of yourself. And so anyway, that that is so important. I just can't imagine how you... Oh my, I'm thinking of that young girl that, how did you identify, how did you break yourself? Was it just simply his tenderness, his kindness, his depth, or what was the thing that just spoke to your heart? Was it grandmother's vision? Oh, of, of, of being able to receive him and see him? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, um, there's something about when we get to that point where we face death, at least in my opinion, yes. where we can see the fragility of life. And then we get to see how people show up for us. And we had been newly dating. I mean, I think it was only three months. Uh-huh. And when I saw the way that he would show up for me, um, in terms of this deep listening, this deep compassion, this generosity of time and spirit, he was traveling all over Europe and he took my phone call after just three months of dating. It was pouring rain. And and Um, the way that he listened and the way that he offered his time and energy and the kindness and the compassion was my heart just blasted open. But I think it was because of the doctor's call that made my heart really tender to the fragility of life. Yeah. That just broke me open. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Very powerful. 
Now, we have explored several things because you are a woman of depth in your teaching and your work. And so I'd like to go back and visit the importance of pleasure Mm. that somehow we eliminate many times in our lives, as crazy as that sounds. But could you tell us more about how important it is to find pleasure yeah, I, thank you for that question. And I think that, you know, I can share from my own journey of experiencing various traumatic uh, times in my life. And again, like I mentioned, this ancestral traumas too, that so there's a lot of adrenaline and cortisol, right? When you're in a lot of stress or trauma, mm-hmm. right? Because I can say mm-hmm. stress because stress you know, chronic stress can mirror the physiology of trauma. So just the stress of being a woman, of walking down and being objectified or devalued or the ageism, all of that, that that we experience, that stress. It's almost like the pleasure chemicals, you know, there's Mm -hmm. dopamine, serotonin, nitric oxide, which is an orderless gas that that is just opens the uh, blood vessels and lowers our blood pressure. Mm-hmm. We we want these chemicals because they are at like an antidote to the dopamine. I mean, to the the adrenaline, the cortisol. We need them to have healthy cells, to be happy, to um, feel good in our body and our mind. And I think that actively seeking pleasure and sensual experiences helps us, number one, to come back into our body to release all of these chemicals that are, uh, especially like I mentioned, nitric oxide, which I learned a lot from Dr. Christian Northrup, the importance of that, which again, opening the blood vessels and um, it's like a ah, kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And and it brings joy to have a bath, to experience a massage, to laugh, to have uh, yummy fabrics on our skin and it, 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 it not only feels good to the senses like the sensuality lets what's eye-opening and nourishing to the senses but then uh, the chemicals that are released that are good for our you know physical emotional psychological and spiritual health and it sensuality doesn't die when we age it's right. it's more of the orientation and what we're tapping into um you can buy lingerie or sexy clothes at any age. And again, sexiness could be sweatpants and a t-shirt. It doesn't, it, it matters. What do you feel sexy in? So it's different at different times of our life. But when we can adorn ourselves and, and look at ourselves as, as, as Queens, you know, like during the mm-hmm. pandemic, some people say, Oh, you know, nobody's going to see me. So I don't really get dressed just from the, you know, our shirt and that, and then whatever sweatpants. And I get dressed every single day. I yeah. put jewelry on, I get dressed yeah. nice. Right. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate to that <laughs> because it, because it makes me feel good. You know, I think yeah. we're trained and conditioned to do it for the eyes of the, the desired or the yeah. one that we want you know, yeah. whether that's a man or a woman or, yeah. or a they, them, whoever um, we want. And so instead doing it for us and the sensuality piece of like, what do we see? What beauty do we see? What, what, do we, what beauty do we want to hear? What do we want to taste? What do we want to feel against our skin? And knowing that there's actually chemicals being released that can be an antidote mm-hmm. to these stress chemicals and also creates more joy. So I love to talk to women about like how to increase pleasure and ways mm-hmm. to do that. Can, I, key. can I share a story with you, Laura? Yeah, absolutely. This is so funny because it, re- it 
leads to what you've just said, supports. I during this during the pandemic where we were all in our houses, I was doing online shopping. And so I was looking at bras and stuff like this. And the special was on the colorful bras. Now mm-hmm. I am a basic beige or black bra person. Okay. Mm-hmm. But these bras were I was so tempted by the sales, the good the deal here that I thought, okay, these are peach, blue, and red. And I went, ooh, do I want to buy those? But mm-hmm. the I was so enticed by the sale. <laughs> I did. I want you to know, to this day, when I put on one of those bras, there is a change mm-hmm. in my body. <laughs> it is like oh my gosh, I'm wearing a red bra today and nobody can see it. It's like yes. a secret I have. Yes. And I, you know, I'm passing that on because not only today, Fantastic. you're Fantastic. my first time to tell that story. I love it. But isn't it so, it's so simple, so but simple. yet, ah, oh, it made such a difference. So anyway, I just want so to share that. I love that story. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, what makes you giggle? What makes you feel powerful? It's like your own little secret that you have that makes you feel good and spicy. And, and and you know, it doesn't need to be, I was single for many, I like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years um, Uh before I met my husband. I mean, I was dating, but I would just play with exactly what you were saying. I just would buy things that would make me feel sexy or do things that nobody needed to know, but I just knew I had it or I was wearing Uh it or I was doing it. Um, and that's how we reclaim our power as, 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 um, you know, female identified bodies is that's how we reclaim it is is really looking at what makes us feel alive. Well, there's one other area that I really honed in on when, when I read it in your, in your information was about finding your voice. Mm. I think we, I lost my voice close to the end of my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I actually, now I do recognize my part in giving it away, but how it's so important that we reclaim. And I know most women that go through a transition of some time experience this. So could you speak toward the importance of finding your voice? Absolutely. And as you say that I have the chills and I I just want to say that I can relate to losing it. And I this is where I feel the the family and the society come in. I mean, again, also the intergenerational piece, but because women are supposed to be good and quiet and to be seen, not heard, right? That, that's yeah. the training. That's, that's the conditioning. And right. then there's also the trauma piece. So in trauma, unresolved trauma, we either, you know, the survival responses are fight, flee, and freeze. Mm-hmm. Many women, I think this is maybe a conditioning, a social conditioning, but the tendency more to freeze. And again, this is an unconscious survival response, but they tend to freeze when you're frozen. You can't really, you know, you feel immobilized and there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a sense of, you know, you have like, uh, endorphins or, or chemicals that are being released opiates that, that help to numb. So we don't feel the freeze. It's like a a response that we don't feel uh, pain if we got bit by a shark, but that's actually happening in relationship too. If we move into freeze where we're like, ah, and it's unconscious. And I think that 
the socialization of to be seen but not heard and to the, the, the whatever sort of traumatic experience or overwhelming, should I say, experience that we've had maybe in our childhood or with our partners causes us to just lose our sense of, uh, of f- feeling the, the need and right to have a voice. So I think right. one, working on the various stressors and traumas and then working on the conditioning is super important. And I can just say from my own uh, experience that in my childhood, my dad was more, there was more of a patriarchal energy and very sexist. And so mm. the, the women in the house didn't, or the females in the house didn't have a uh, a voice. He was very misogynistic and very always objective, objectified women. And so for me, I grew up thinking that, um, you know, I, I didn't have time to, to, to speak. And so now I right. use my voice and I, I'm starting a group for women to really start to find their voice because I think that's, what's going to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. Get us out of that fear. I was so in fear. Wow. I don't yes. know where it came from. Yes. Oh, my have, gosh. Right. And moving into the body, that's where I have to work with within the nervous system. We have to work with the fear in the nervous system mm-hmm. to be able to mobilize and use yeah. our voice. Well, Laura, how do you work with your clients? I mean, do, have you joined the, the rest of this world? We all seem to be going on Zoom. But... Um, do you your work is more one on one or in groups, but person to person, correct or not? Yeah, yeah. I, I start. I do. Um, you know, I facilitate two different groups, uh-huh. and uh, one is about finding your voice, and one's a trauma group. But um, and then I do usually one on one virtual sessions with, yeah, coaching yeah. all over the world, but psychotherapy only in California. Oh, so you do do coaching separately. Yeah, Yes, they're two different um, programs, I would say. I have psychotherapies just in the state of California, and then it's somatic-based coaching, like I had mentioned. So it's in feminine empowerment, embodiment, and body-based coaching. So you'll have to explain to me what somatic is. What does yes, that mean? Somatic is just the body. Okay. So, um, but we have, the body has its own intelligence and its uh-huh. own story, its own narrative of what it experienced. And so we really have to look at like what is happening in the nervous system, right? So how was your body impacted? For example, if you see, um, a dog and you got bit by a dog, you'll be afraid. Mm-hmm. Or if you see, a, a, just talk about relationally, if you see a, a, a man and you're a, a woman and you've been hurt, then when you see them again, you start dating, you're going to be afraid because the trauma mm-hmm. you experienced was with that gender or that species or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then you have those same feelings. So we look at from the nervous system, the soma, the body, the soma is the body. We look from mm-hmm. the body up. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see how we can change our internal experience of fear so that we can change how we see the situation. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, and, um, and then coming back into the body in a pleasurable way and looking at, you know, the judgments we might make or the com- body comparison or, um, the fears that we have, the way that our heart has closed. So everything is kind of in the body. So we're working in that. Right. Area. So, at, so speak to the coaching aspect of your business. So how does that look on the internet? Is it on the internet? Yeah. Yeah. So it's virtual. It's always over zoom. Um, mm-hmm. and it's because I need to see people and that's because I'm reading their body. 
I'm actually yeah. also watching what is the body communicating? The mind is communicating. What is the body communicating? And there's also the attachment piece. You know, when you look in the eyes of another person and you can see their their soul, you know, you just see yes. them. And there's some beauty about being witnessed and seen in that way. So, yeah, usually some people come with there may be some particular stressor or trauma that they've experienced. They want to be coached back to their their sense of power. Right. Yeah. So these are their sense of purpose, their, their pleasure, their empowered self. And I use all of these body based practices and sort of feminine, sacred practices, rituals, um, connecting them with their own spirituality. OK, so that to go to your website to find out what you actually do offer would I'm thinking of the person like me that's distancing <laughs> in Texas and you're in California. How do I get more of you, Laura? So um, and what you would do is I have two websites, the coaching, which is the, I, I think maybe we can send this out or share it, but that's the my body mind wellness. So it's yes. M Y yeah. Body mind wellness. And then if it's in the state of California, then the psychotherapy, which is just Lara Eisenberg.com. So it's L A R A E I S E N B E R G.com. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And my email, which is sacred heal. S A C R E D H E A L at gmail.com. So, and I do have a group starting in October for women finding their voice. Oh, and that, oh, okay. That's through the internet, through yep. the Zoom. Work. All virtual. But that's not, is that movement or is that sitting and discussing? What, yeah, well, so how is, what's the format? Yeah. So it's, it's usually, I mean, the group, we dance a little bit at the beginning, but that's just, that's just to get into the body. Um, but the one-on-one -on -one sessions is, are, I just teach people how to go inside, you know? So yeah. when you're saying you're feeling scared, what are you noticing in your body? Oh, I'm noticing some tension in my belly. Okay. So what would it be like if we can just hold that, like bring your hand and let's hold that. Let's be with that. Let's notice what happens next. When did you first remember feeling that? What does your body want to do with that? How could you bring loving compassion to it? Things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But there are also narratives. So we do talk about what happened and there, we do value the mind as well and tell us your story. <laughs> but uh -huh. we'll also bring in the, the conversation into the body of, okay, what are you noticing when you say that? What do you feel? Uh -huh. um, yeah. So. Wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Yes. yes. Yeah. So you might see me in one of your classes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. And I'd wear my red bra. So. Oh, my gosh. I would love that even more. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh, gosh, gosh. So yeah. as you make this transition, as we find what are the words that you would share with somebody out there that that is struggling right now, that is, is you know, I have, I have a friend who's just finished a, a marriage with a narcissistic husband and and she's just having a terrible time adjusting. But there are so many that are in different phases of their uh, wanting to return to healthiness, but they don't know what it is. Yeah. So what is my question? That was so big and so wide. Yeah. But what, what information, would, what would you tell that woman that's listening to you today and, and wants to know, what's my next step? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm closing my eyes and I'm, I'm checking you with my body and the first words that came in is you are loved and you are worthy and you are cherished and you are seen and this too shall pass. 
those were the first words that came in. And then from more of a practical standpoint, I would say, um, you know, our beauty is sometimes hidden away and it's revealed in relationship with another. So to, to reach out to other women, to reach out for coaches like uh, you and I and therapists to get the support, to have the mirror of the beauty that you are, to be reawakened because it's there. And so is your, your you know, the, the, the perfection that we are. It just needs to be reawakened by another sister. Yeah. Yeah. By another sister, not necessarily by another man. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, you can. I found my journey. I've used men, but in the work with feeling worthy, I uh -huh. needed to be with a female identified bodied person because yes. my journey has been, I have used men to work on my father issues, you know, like, yes. Family. But in uh -huh. terms of this reclamation, I've needed to be with a female identified body. They, they, they understand. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've used men just to work on certain father issues and attaching in a healthy way to a male uh, in terms mm -hmm. of therapists. But yeah, no, I think we need, we need um, to find someone who's walked our path mm -hmm. and yeah. who has what we want. Yeah, that was one of the, the spirit reasons I go back to Santa Fe mm -hmm. is that I have not only is the environment there and there is an energy in that city, but there is also this supportive community is like no other I've ever experienced, even more so than my, my local community. Exactly. It's just awesome. Exactly. And so I think it's so important that we take Take and realize those situations that really feed our soul, such yes. as you mentioned. We've got to reclaim them ourselves. Yes. And, and go ahead. And and just seek out those that feed us that. Don't they've got to make us feel or make us know that's not the wrong word. But they they give they give us the power to feel special and um, exceptional and beautiful and all of those words that every woman deserves to hear. Absolutely. And there's no hierarchy when I'm working with, with a woman, I see her as a sister, you know, maybe across the globe, but I don't feel like there's a hierarchy. I just feel like I may have done more work in another area to reawaken. And I'm just sharing that, um, everything I've learned. It's like, I learned it so that I can give it to her. Well, Laura, this is the saddest words I'm going to have to say today. Our time is over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful that you invited me to share. Oh, uh, well, I'm excited for the future for you. I think that I think what you offered to women is so, so important. It's so necessary. And you have certainly gathered the information and the knowledge to do a really, really special job at that. So I know that your mind is all around that precious girl <laughs> <laughs> and the wonderful husband that you have. But oh, um, uh, so is there anything that you would like to say as you go forward before we close today? Oh, we're closing really quick. <laughs> yeah, no, just if anyone is, wants to be in touch, feel free to be in touch. Um, I just feel like we're all here to um, heal one another and reawaken our innate capacity to, um, yeah. I love that. Thank you, Laura, very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, wasn't this special? 
I loved it. And I just uh, walk away with a very good feeling today that I know there's someone out there that got the message that Laura is telling us about today, how important it is to find the voice, how important to claim who we are. And if you're needing that support, Laura is available. You can find Laura on mybodymindwellness.com. Correct, Laura? Yes. So anyway, that's where you need to be. If you've got any doubt, any question, go there now and get to know Laura. Thank you for being here, Laura. This has been exceptional. I've I've loved every minute of it. Mm, Thank you. And I wish you the best. Same here. Wish you the best. So as we go forward, I'll be back next week with another guest. And we will be, be talking about something interesting and special and full of growth and excitement for you. So I appreciate that you're here today. And do remember, see you next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.